Welcome to this week's Startspawn Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knudsen. I'm no longer the sound of silence. How goes it, Ted? The transfer window has closed. It has. And we did sweet we did sweet FA for this transfer window, for the most part. We're back, we're back talking about it. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a point worth making, isn't it? Like, occasionally I see things on Twitter. It's like, Startspawn are powering transfers for X team, and it's like, we're not powering transfers. We, are, we do provide information for our clients. We, we provide very useful information, but I think I said earlier in the summertime that we are not running anybody's transfer business this go-round and, and haven't really for the last year intentionally. We kind of got out of that space partly for politics, partly because like we were, really wanted to focus on our core competency, which was you know, creating better data and building software and tools to you know sort of power people's transfer business. But at the end of the day, you know, we aren't even giving advice in, in almost any circumstances to any of the teams because, you know, I, I, there's always a question of conflict of interest. Like once you get up to 50 customers or so, you know, <laughs> how are you avoiding conflict of interest? And like we just we just don't. That's not to say we haven't kept our eye on, um, you know, promising players around Europe because we have. We had a pro scout and project that ran um, uh, for much of this year and meant that we looked at a lot of young players, some of which have. Um, transferred into the, this league, which you might mention at some point today. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting spot, really. Um, I think just before we came on, we were discussing a couple couple of transfers that landed in the league, and it's like, who are they? <laughs> Why were they so expensive? And yeah, there's there's some fascinating ones, and and even <laughs> when you know you kind of pay fairly close attention to this, yeah, some of these I missed. <laughs> also, <clears throat> I should mention that pro scouting product is one that we started at the beginning of the year and and the people that have been on it absolutely love it but i think it's going to die a covid related death just because of the you know the budget cuts at, at different teams and such if you're one of our customers and want to know more about it uh you know do <laughs> do get in touch right now because we're we're just about um on the step of, of wrapping it up uh and you know sometimes you you do things and you do good work and it still doesn't work out and that's just the way the world world works but um we will mention the the ones along the way that were interesting to us and were in that that thing, including one for Liverpool. Yeah, that's true. Let's but we're not going to start there. Get there. Are we going to talk about the general Premier League quickly as well? Because it's kind of gone mental and there's um, goals in goals coming out of our ears and stuff and good teams getting hammered by yeah, what were thought to be bad so. teams and the like. Can I just? I'll say something then, because I've done a little. I've done a little bit of research because it's like there's been a crazy amount of goals. So there's two <laughs> things going on now, because people are like, well, what about the expected goals? And I think the expected goals are kind of a, relatively normal, but the rate that they're being turned into actual goals across the 38 games that have been played is about it's like 130% goals to expected goals in this start of this season. So I looked at last season, and like in any kind of like 38 game sample, the maximum that kind of hit was about 120 percent so like you know in a 38 game sample <laughs> there were uh you know 120 percent of goals versus expected goals so we're well above that and you've got all these stupid penalties that have been given in the first three weeks as well so yeah that's um, that's changing a lot of stuff and obviously you know it contributes to to fueling additional scoring and you know if you were on overs <laughs> if you were a gambler who was on overs yeah, <laughs> early yeah. in this season you made a bunch of money that may regress pretty rapidly um yeah i don't, I don't like so we'll, we'll talk about the premier league i think at the tail end everybody's here to listen about transfers james and we've we've starved them of transfer oh, we'll fun we won't we always do this we say we're going to talk about something later and then we don't because we run out of time <laughs> I will. I will just say, like, so the maximum it was 120% during this kind of period, and we're at 130% because people are wondering why these goals are coming from, and so like, there's there's a potential that you know we're at a maximum anyway, and we're over that. There's there's a bit of room in there that you can fill in all your you know conspiracies or not conspiracies about like why there are more goals, um, but it is obviously very high at the moment. So anyway, like you say, transfers. That's what we're here for. Are you done now? Yes. Are you done with your nonsensical statting? That's not what people listen to. It's interesting. <sighs> interesting. God. More All seven right. twos. <laughs> so back when the pandemic hit, um, yeah, I mentioned this last week in the most recent pod that we did. Uh, I, I wrote a memo on what we kind of expected, and I thought that the hit on the financial side would be 
even worse than was coming out then. I think CIES, who we're not huge fans of, said that it was going to be something like 25 or 30 percent down in the market. I thought it was going to be much higher than that. And I thought it like, you know, 40 to 50 percent was was possibly even the baseline that you expect. And <clears throat> the stuff that we've seen around Europe is, is actually really interesting because that 40%, like, you know, it's a distribution, but it's not an even distribution. Uh, the Premier League makes up the very top end of that distribution. There's something like, you know, 20 of the top 30 richest clubs in the world or something actually exist in the Premier League, which is interesting in, in a buyer's market because that's very clearly what it is. When everybody else has a cash crunch, then, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got in a little bit of trouble for mentioning this. Uh, but, you know, factually, if you've got cash around or cash available that you don't mind tapping into and everybody needs money, like you are able to possibly, you know, get 30, 40, 50 percent off of off of players. And that may even continue into uh, the January window and possibly next year too. January will be really intriguing because like we'll ha have a lot more information about whether anybody's going to be led into into stadia over the next three months or so. Um, you know, more solidity about government bailouts for the sports, etc. But <clears throat> We did that. Uh, I read a thing today that said that the Premier League was about 15% down. Now, that 15% also is not evenly distributed. It doesn't really account for the fact that, that Roman Abramovich and Chelsea were basically drunk and, and taking advantage of, of two big things. I'm not saying they were drunk, but like drunk buying almost. Like you, you go on eBay and you're, you've been you know lit for a little while and you're like suddenly, hey, I'm involved in a lot of auctions. It's a little bit of fun. I, you know, I might win some of these. Um, yeah, Chelsea apparently bid for all of the attacking players and won a surprising number of them. Uh, but yeah, so so you look at it and, and the two things that you can see happening with Chelsea are, are pretty interesting. One is that obviously they're coming off the back of uh, a transfer ban uh, that was you know for mm -hmm. a period of time. And so they might be catching up a bit on that. But the other one is that there's an FFP amnesty effectively for this COVID period, which you know if you're worried about your long-term FFP, potential like now's a real nice time to fit in a whole bunch of money if your owner happens to be worth many many billions and and treats it you know as a, as a pretty close arm uh, is highly interested in the business of your club as opposed to many of the other uh you know quite well-off owners in the the premier league who who don't do that type of stuff so chelsea fueled a lot of that only down 15%. If they hadn't bought Havertz and Ziyech and Chilwell and Timo Werner, <laughs> like and and others, like then uh, that would look very different and probably be closer to down to like 35, 40% just in the Premier League. La Liga, where we know Barcelona have you know a spectacular amount of debt and a, and a lot of problems, down 68%. We, and also that 68% includes the nonsensical accounting deal, which is basically swapping Arthur for Pjanic, where Barcelona and Juventus can at least have some book profits, even if they're just in the form of players and some money exchange. Yeah, I, did, I think you're right. I, I saw a similar tweet, just probably the same one as you did. Across Europe, it's it's much, it's much down a lot, but in the Premier League, not, not by very much. And... Um, yeah, it's it's, in, it's very interesting to see how that goes. I wonder, I wonder how much uh, kind of factored into other things like contract lengths and stuff, and and you know, are there, are there people making concessions elsewhere, um, or are people even doing the opposite, kind of like you know, getting locking down players to contracts, um, because you know, the holding the assets is is kind of worth it in this in this climate. I don't know. I mean, this, the ins and outs of uh, all this are, are kind of myriad complex because. Well, we do have some kind of new world. <clears throat> so uh, most of the new contracts have COVID clauses in them, where basically if fans are not allowed back in, or potentially if the se season ends early or whatever, uh, the players make a, a pro-rotted basis on that. It could be down substantially, like based on the COVID clauses. Like if if fans are not allowed in, then these new play the players on new contracts that were signed this summer now have significant hits to their wages. Um, you know, that might not happen for the very top players. For, for most players, that's true. Uh, plenty of players simply have not moved or been signed. Um, and, you know, we might see a, a nice little scramble. Well, I want to say nice. You might see a big scramble now that the window has closed of two things. One, that, you know, the loan market domestically may be fairly frisky, but, you know, again, down the, the chain, it's a big deal. Everybody's looking, can I save wages at all? So many guys that were, you know, people wanted to move simply did not. 
and mm. and that's a, a big factor and they didn't because you know no one wants to take on those wages um, and, and in some cases even when offered for wages only like not even a loan fee which usually there is a loan fee on top of almost any player that goes out and that's a you know prorated basis of hey this player's worth 10 million he's got five years on his contract here's a two million uh, loan fee or whatever like those did not happen <clears throat> And the other thing that you're seeing is you might see is you might see a lot of players, you know, get released after deadline day if they can find a home and somebody else that will, will simply pick up their salary. I think Danny Welbeck's already, um, you know, mm. some mutual terminations in there. You may see some players that get terminations as like, you know, part of their payouts like Iguain left. I think he left for nearly his whole contract and then went to to enter Miami in, in MLS. Um, but yeah, so like that is all happening and it looks like that may continue to happen for the next year, which is intriguing from a lot of perspectives, but it also means that, you know, the shape of the football market is very, very poor right now because no one has cash and, and a lot of teams are looking at, you know, eight, nine figure deficits, almost regardless of what league they're in. That's you know slightly terrifying and it, and it helps to explain why this transfer window is so incredibly weird. Yeah, it's it's really hard to get a handle on everyone's specific deals. Like the various teams, like Tottenham, look like they've brought in lots of players, and then you actually break it down on how much they money they look like they've probably spent on fees, and it's not that much. Someone like Brighton, I think, is similar as well. Brighton have, have done quite a lot of business, but they haven't actually gone out and spent lots of fees. So, yeah, everyone's everyone's reacting differently. I think there was an idea that Man United were keen not to spend, um, you know, a lot of fee money fee wise, but you know, maybe maybe there's maybe some teams are kind of like sitting on their hands a little bit and thinking like, right, okay, we haven't quite adjusted to the new world. Like, well, let's see what the world looks like in January and if there's, if some fees come down because there's been a lot of money spent on you know high fees for players and are are those fees going to persist you know into the next window into the window after that? I mean. Some some teams have acted now and really kind of uh, got their squads organised, but they've paid a, a premium for that. Other other teams might be thinking now is not the time to move. Again, every, every single club's going to have advisors that are going to be pointing them in one direction or another and thinking, you know, what's the best thing for us to do right now? All of us facing declining incomes. So I don't think this transfer market remotely found equilibrium in terms of you know teams that needed to move players like did not move them aggressively enough or find ways to get them to get elsewhere. And it might just be that like, there just is no liquidity and no slack in the market. So they couldn't, but you know, if you, if you wanted to save three to five to to 7 million this year, like that's a pretty big deal. And you know, that then has a knock on effect into potentially, you know, January and then in the summertime as well, we may see crazy January because teams are are really desperate for cash. Uh, That could happen. We don't know. It, It kind of depends on all of the actors realizing at the same time, let's go through the top 25 real quick in terms of fees. These are listed on Transfer Market. We are not responsible for the fee information that is sourced by them. Um, <clears throat> but you know, this top 25, the the 25th one is is 27 million, and that's and that's Regulon. Um, that you know that doesn't seem like it's a ton, but there's a lot of like funky deals in here. So this top 25 actually has uh, Kai Havertz at the top, uh, allegedly a 72 million, 73 million deal. Uh, Artur from the Juventus Barcelona swap, which, as we've been fairly clearly informed, was mostly just an accounting swap for those <laughs> those two clubs, which is oddly very weird. Um, then you get Osimhen. So Victor Osimhen, I thought was was going to be like one of the the market bellwethers potentially anyway, in that you know, the fee that he might go for like might actually indicate that there's more liquidity and interest in this market than expecting. He's allegedly gone to Napoli for 63 million, which seems like a ton of money, but then like almost no other transfers happen. Like even in the, even in the high end range, uh, you got Ruben Diaz at 61 million, uh, Man City center backs. It seems like a perpetual buying cycle there. Pjanic is the fifth ranked one. Again, that swap deal. Murata. <laughs> so Murata's transfer, I think like there's a lot of deals that were booked here before. So there's this Atletico Madrid transfer, I think from Chelsea, which was actually happened last year, but you know a, a promise or an obligation to buy. Then you hit the two more Chelsea ones in Timo Werner and Chilwell at 47 and 45 million. Icardi's another one that was you know opted into, I think, at midseason by by PSG somewhere around there. Then you hit the Arsenal Thomas one, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Nathan Ake from 
Bournemouth, which is a huge fee for what is technically a relegated team. Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth sold really well, I think, in this in the summer. They they sold the Ramsdale for like about twenty, um, Ake for forty, Wilson for twenty. And when you look at the teams they're putting out in the in the in the Championship right now, they look okay. They look, you know, they've they've kept quite a lot of players, um, but they really sold well. Like the 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 two or three guys that they sold out of there. They they got great fees for to be honest. So you know, they however, however, that, however they yeah I I believe that's the case also. So you know however they work that out you know whether they you know, they got big fees by taking payments over time or which was probably likely for most transfers or however that worked out that they meant they got the maximum return on their players. It felt they did well. Yeah. So Leroy Sane, which is another deal that was agreed way ahead of time, uh, Bayern Munich uh, around forty million ish. Uh, then you had Diogo Jota. Uh, who I hope that we pronounce that right, but that's the Liverpool one, forty million pound deal, but allegedly very very backloaded. So they didn't have to spend much cash on it, is what we we heard in the media. Hakimi going to Inter, like one of the best young sort of midfield slash wingers uh, or wing backs in the world, like that one thirty six million. You know, compared to Chilwell, it doesn't feel like it's that bad. Mm. Uh, Ziek is also in that range again, and when that was that was agreed quite a bit ahead of time, and uh, <laughs> then you hit a Wolves one. Anything involving Wolves, you get the 18-year-old who allegedly went for 36 million in Fabio Silva. We have thoughts that would probably not publicly be aired about that one. Uh, Donny Van de Beek. Uh, so that's Man United's big big sum. Wesley Fofana. Uh, people are quite intrigued by. 30-some-odd million for a centre-back for Leicester. Lo Celso, which is another deal that was obligation to buy, so that's already gone. Jonathan David was pretty intriguing for Lille. That one, that one's frisky. It was, because like he was quite... <laughs> I mean, they're not the same, uh, exactly the same type of player by any stretch, but like as, as far as kind of like talented young players in in, in that in that league, uh, Belgian league, he really stood out. And when, once they sold a seaman uh, to uh, Napoli... It, it just makes makes sense to go and spend some of the money on a player like Jonathan David, and that's exactly what they did. So it was a, a nice t- kind of tidy pass one pass one out and bring another one in kind of uh, deal there with kind of you know keeping your attack fresh and young and exciting. Trincao's in here listed as a Barcelona signing. I knew nothing about this. I, I didn't. I just missed that. I think that was in the summer. winter as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ali Watkins, uh, big money signing for for Aston Villa, and already seems like he's paid his transfer fee off with the the absolute thrashing of Liverpool this last weekend. And Villa might be legit, which is a pretty interesting concept. Uh, three more. Uh, Rodrigo uh, leads, sort of getting on the board and signing. Uh, some help up front. Nelson Semedo, which is another Wolves deal that, you know, he's a good right back. Uh, signed from Barcelona. Seems like, I don't know, might be helping out. And then we end with the with the regular one. So, like, this feels, you know, very compressed. Not a whole lot of big moves. Not a whole lot of even middle value moves. Like, you go from Havertz to the top of the market at $72 million and Osimhen basically second if we can't take away the accounting deal at 63 down to 27 million for for Regulon and uh and Semedo within 25 guys it's is a weird market yeah there's, there's there's a lot of lot of players going for kind of 10 20 million and a lot of young players as well i think that's something that's it's probably some sense to, into it like you know if you if you're confident that this 18 year old is really really good then sure pay the money but there's always going to be a hell of a um level of risk to those kind of signings even then and even like 20 19 20 year olds you know they're they're still not fully developed you're still not expecting to get the best out of them at the front of, end of their contract uh hmm. anyway are we going to go team by team ted you want to have a quick whiz through that yeah, let's go ahead and start with the A's. We might not get past the A's. <laughs> Arsenal. So, so Arsenal signed Thomas Partey from uh, Atletico, uh, Gabriel from Lille, uh, William and Pablo Marie. I think again that another one that might have kind of rolled over. Uh, Danny Ceballos has come back, which I think is a good thing. And yeah. Uh, Torreira and Guendouzi are the, the main ones that have gone out as well as Martinez to, to Villa I personally I haven't got an opinion on Thomas Partey to be, to, to be particularly honest I know you have but who who chooses to watch Atletico Madrid I don't so I don't really know much about him 
Um, I, w- I watched a lot of them for set pieces for a long time. <laughs> I, I will. I will say that my. And again, I, I'm not an authority whatsoever on Thomas Party or this deal or anything. But I will say that having uh, seen that Arsenal have started this season basically taking no shots at all, six per game, seven per game, just miserable kind of shot creation Thomas Partey does not change this equation Thomas Partey does not create shots and okay he's played for Atletico Madrid and Atletico Madrid don't tend to create a lot of shots but there's there's nothing in his backdrop that says like this guy is going to create shots for your team so he's still only going to like solve some of the midfield puzzle which is Arsenal's you know inability to kind of um, dominate the ball high up the pitch I don't know I it's I'm sure he'll he'll be a good player and he'll contribute fine for you know at least the first couple of years of his contract before before he's aging a little bit. But I don't see Arsenal have solved problems. I mean, Willian nominally, if you got the best of Willian, he solved some of that problem. But how old's Willian? He's 32, so he's not. You're not. You haven't got the best of Willian. Whatever, whatever planet you would want to live on. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably kind of like put. I don't like the fact that Guendouzi and Torreira have both gone two young players. And okay, I understand there's temperamental things with Guendouzi by all accounts, but like you know, two of the younger kind of like contributors in the squad. And I don't know. It just feels like another kind of net pass of a window for Arsenal. Um, it's a weird one, and and you know, technically there's a lot of activity going on here. Uh, I think Cedric and and Pablo Marie are, are both ones that happened in January and, and mm. were obligations. So like those ones were sorted before. Willian, you know, we've you've heard different things, and, and it's always interesting to to listen to the sources. Uh, you know, some the clubs have a particular reason to say that things are a particular cost, uh, especially sometimes when you potentially are under pressure for certain signings. Um, you know, the the media line on Willian is 100k a week. I've I heard from pretty reliable people that might be double that. The party signing we should dig into in a minute but first i want to say gabriel magales or however you actually pronounce it looks fantastic like this is a guy that looks comfortable at every moment on the pitch a bit like virgil van dyke i'm not saying that he is but like you just get that sense that you know he just is never out of comfort he's always just kind of chill and uh i've been really impressed by that it it does make the saliba deal look worse in in sort of context because saliba doesn't look anywhere near starting if they paid 27 for gabriel uh, and Saliba was, you know, 30. Like he thought after a loan he might be ready to to step in. It doesn't look like he's near that. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe maybe one of those is good, one of those is bad. We'll we'll see where it goes. But you know, young centre backs and and definitely one of those two is very good. So Partey, <clears throat> I if you want like more context around my opinion on the squad building side of it, like you can check in the season preview on stats bomb. It also links to a podcast that we did on this previously. I don't want to repeat all of that. Um, I, I do find a couple of things about this deal unusual. First of all, we heard from a very reliable source uh, nearly a month ago that this was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I, I was tempted, I, tempted to mention this, but I thought maybe, maybe not, but you've said it now, Ted, there we go. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I kind of groaned at the time and I was like, really? It's just like, and and the person that that informed us was just like dead serious. Oh yeah, this this is already in in the can, um, and we can't talk about that type of stuff like while the window's going on, especially. But you know, so the the media stuff that Atletico were angry about Arsenal activating his clause, but still managed to get the the deal for Torreira, which is a loan deal through. Uh, none of that makes any sense. I think that's just media creating friction that's non-existent. But you know, apparently Arsenal have been following Partey a long time. You know, two seasons ago, he looked like he might be very interesting in a lot of different ways. Um, I think he's a good player. I think that the squad building and the fee, especially, are concerning. I think that uh, allegedly either Awar was a distraction that they were trying to, you know, work around and then they eventually ended up with Partey. Or they were trying to get both of them, which is a lot of money and couldn't quite get that money sorted. But if they had enough for Partey, they, they should have had enough for, for Hussein Awar, which is a weird one. Um, beyond that, you know, I think he'll do well. I think that I don't like his age. I think I have some concerns about his his trending. But, you know, maybe maybe Arteta fell in love with him and that's fine. But my, my big question is, at this price range... Uh, you and I have done this professionally. Should you not have had a lot of players, especially in this market? 
that you didn't have to go and pay Partey's 50 million fee? Could you have found somebody at 25 or 30 that looked like they were real good and come in and contribute right away as well? Especially when teams are like desperate for, for cash to come in. Like, doesn't that... I, I, I'm just asking questions here, but having been <laughs> no, here totally. and done this before... I, mean, I, 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 I totally agree with you. Like, you know, if, if you've identified that Partey's a kind of like skill set that you want in your team, then yeah, okay... <laughs> who else? Who else performs in a similar manner or is, is able to contribute in a similar manner? Even a couple of years younger would be nice. You know, 25, 24. and then you're paying for the good parts of their career and and not just the kind of like tail end of their peak and potentially question mark uh, whatever. Uh, and this you know, is absolutely the top end. Of, this is the top end of the midfielder market. Yeah, like definitely. He, he is the most expensive midfielder to move if you discount the Arthur and Pjanic deal, which isn't even a real yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's fair enough, right? There isn't, a, there aren't other midfielders like in in you know Europe or whatever that you you couldn't have brought in at, at this kind of level, or you know cheaper and invested somewhere else. I don't know, like you know, we've we've heard quite a lot of times that you know Arsenal are a little bit cautious about their spending and stuff. So yeah, it it feels like too good to go out and spend like a large fee on that one player, um, and deciding that it's him or nothing, or him or uh, or whomever. I don't know. It's odd. I'm just left with questions, really. Like, I, I didn't like the Willian length of contract. You know, I kind of know why they did it, but not excited by that. Gabriel immediately looks great. Danny Ceballos, I thought, was the most important transfer they did this summer. But it might be Gabriel or Danny. Uh, but that's still another loan, right? So they're they're on the second year of the loan. I don't know if there's a, a buy option in it. But he looked excellent last year. And for those Arsenal fans out there who, who are, you know, complaining about my my track record there like we were very early on Ceballos being outstanding and plenty good enough to play here and even when people were confused about it now he seems to be an ever-present important cog the other one that I compare Partey to was it's not that I don't like the player I just don't like the price and the way that they're going about the team building but there was a while where where Arsenal were listed as like somewhere between 70 and 90 million for Thomas Lamar who's completely disappeared off the map I was like that's a terrible price please don't do that that seems like an awful idea like this is less of an awful idea, but again, you know, it's just because you don't like a deal doesn't mean you don't like the player. I didn't like the price on Tierney as well. There are plenty of times where Arsenal have spent 15 to 20 million too much on guys recently that, you know, if they had that, they would be in amazing shape to be able to buy whomever they wanted to right now. And so, you know, you're we are price sensitive that professionally we do that as a job like it would make I would desire that my team was a little more that way too. All right, moving on. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks for yep, listening. Cool. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> we're rolling along here, Ted. We're going to have to speed through some teams. But you anyway. knew we were going to spend a little bit of time on Arsenal. We're probably going to spend too much time on the Jose we, and, and I villains. Can, I can wrap these things up. Anyway, Villa. Right, Villa's next. Right, so Villa's easy because like they they've obviously got some money to spend. They, they don't they don't mind investing. So you've got Ollie Watkins, who seemed like quite a high fee, but I don't know. He's a really good striker. This is fine. Matty Cash is a pretty decent fullback. There's not really an issue with that. Martinez is a very good goalkeeper. No problems with that. Um, Bertrand Troy, I, I I guess you know you're allowed a roll of the dice. He's he's a very talented player. Um, they haven't paid a huge fee for him, so. You know, he's someone that can come in, and I love the Ross Barkley loan because Ross Barkley is like, <laughs> he's you know, he's a top half Premier League footballer uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He just is. So bringing him in for a year and um, you know putting him in in your team is, is just a no brainer to me. And, uh, and just and a I, year I really like too. That. I mean, maybe yeah. we don't like the loan fee, but you know he's not going to be there no. for that long. And I think he's probably on huge wages at Chelsea, and there's probably a, that's probably a factor here why he hasn't been sold and yada yada yada. But you know, just bringing him into that into that team, it's it's like, yeah, this is of, of course. Why wouldn't you bring Bros Barkley into a team if you're trying to kind of establish yourself in the Premier League? So I think Villa have had a generally, you know, last season we criticised their transfers a lot. They they seem to have fallen in love with the Belgian league, brought players in from there, and that they didn't really hit. Like on the surface, you know, you look at these transfers and you can see you can see the sense here. You can see what the the thought process is. Maybe the fees are a little bit high in a couple of places, but like I say, their their owners seem to be prepared to you know, back them um, with with fees, and well, I I I like their business. Yeah, the, the their sky fees are like 
often seems like five million too high. So may, they might include like all of the the clauses, whereas the other ones look more like a base fee. I'd heard Ali was like twenty eight plus five, so and Sky is saying thirty three, so that makes sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. and you know, to to be fair to Villa, they're in second place right now, haven't lost a game, and second best in the league in expected goals against, having played against Liverpool. Which seems yeah. like it should be impossible. And their defence their, their defense was good after the lockdown as well. That was a really kind of notable point. And it, it's fascinating to me because, you know, the post-lockdown period told a load of news stories about these teams. And we've only, you know, we've been off a month and a bit and they're back. And, you know, a few of these teams have persisted. Like Villa's defence still seems to be OK. West Ham seems to be better than the kind of general perception is. Uh, you know, Leicester, apart from losing to West Ham, are generally not about pretty solid team there's a bunch of these little uh, narratives around that have kind of persisted in all of the kind of post-lockdown period even Liverpool's defence being vulnerable it was vulnerable after the lockdown you figured maybe it doesn't matter because they've won the league who cares but it's now persisted into this season so yeah it's fascinating I, I was I was informed by people who are more reliably informed than I am that like Craig Shakespeare coming on board the coaching staff I guess over the lockdown period maybe in January has had a significant impact on on the Villa defense and you know classically Dean Smith teams have not been great at defending and and for almost all of last year till the knockdown uh the lockdown that was their hole uh, I do hor- want horrible in defense yeah yeah they, they were bad they couldn't they couldn't stop anything nothing nothing got stopped like at the mm-hmm. midpoint uh, in the midfield um I do want to note that one of the outbounds at Aston Villa is named Indiana Vasilev so it's not just the dog that is named Indiana all right Moving on. Brighton. I didn't get that, so that's okay. You you don't know Indiana Jones jokes? If I if I said in a Scottish accent, would that let's move on to Brighton. We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> so Brighton 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 Quite please, quite please. Brighton I think they've done they've an interesting mixed bag. Like Lalana has come in on a free uh, I dunno. Like, none of their transfer fees are disclosed, which is no, but fun. they're probably not high. Veltman from Ajax was really cheap, like they needed mm. centre backs. Um, <laughs> Jensen Weir they plucked from the bones of uh, Wigan. Um, There's a large Den Darker. Den Darker. People, yeah, people seem to like. Uh, people seem to like. I don't know much about Andy Zakiri, but people seem to like him when when that transfer got announced. Uh, we do like Michael Mikhail um, Kabovnik, um, who's come from. Leisure Warsaw and got sent straight back. We he was part of our pro scouting team. We liked him a lot. Uh, he's been transferred now, so we can say that and like it not be a, an issue. But we liked him a, a lot, and he's only nineteen. <laughs> I don't know much. I don't know anything about uh, Jakub Moda, who's come from Lech Poznan and uh, gone back on loan as well. But it's interesting little kind of just picking up players here and there from smaller leagues. And I mean, mate, the, are Brighton smart? Maybe, um, but. You know the the idea that they've they've taken a few little kind of like low price gambles about the place, um, you know potential high upside and maybe they're happy with their their current team. You know they got Ben White back um, off Leeds, so that you know that not a transfer but obviously a, a you know nice nice way to kind of strengthen things. Um, they have looked so good every week, by the way. Like they they do not belong in fifteenth. Well, yeah, they're they're in, they're interesting. I I'm, I'm personally on the fence about them because I I think they're potentially stylistically vulnerable to. Um, just it's. I think it's just harder to be a, a passing team that isn't that great in the Premier League and succeed. So I'll I'll, I'll see where 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 we're at at ten twelve games. I'll be intrigued by because I think people are a little higher on Brighton than I probably am right now. But I, you know I'm prepared to be wrong on that. Um, but yeah, it's I don't their transfer window. I I I feel is fairly safe, fairly kind of. Um, I don't shrewd. feel it's safe. I think I think there's some adventure in there, you know, and I, I, I we'd like that. Like, no, but cash gotta, wise, they, have, they haven't they haven't splurged a lot of money or anything. So that sure, you know, that's from you that perspective, it's, there's there's some percentage, you know, kind of like, all right, let's 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 bring in a few gamble, you know, potential high upside gambles for the long term, rather than go out and spend say 25 million on a new midfielder or something. So I'm not super excited I res- about. I respect this. I'm not super excited about Lolana on a free, but you know maybe they no. they saw some stuff they liked. Dale Stevens out, big knockers out. Uh, Anthony Knocker, Fulham, uh, who's already on loan. Lacadia yeah, out. To, most out yeah, to most of these I think are already gone, haven't they? Aaron Moy might be a bit of a, a bit of. A I thought monster. that one was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'd heard that he, he potentially could could be on his way from China a long time ago. So it's interesting that he's he's finally got there. Um, but yeah. All right, Burnley. <laughs> this will take a long time. 
Burnley appear to have not noticed that there was a transfer window. That's about but all I can say about that. I feel like we we did this exact same thing with them last year, right? They they sound like two players. They were old. We were not impressed. But they're Burnley. And they're getting really old. That, I mean, yeah. I wrote I wrote their preview <laughs> this year, and I, I I kind of it was it was kind of challenging to write interesting things about Burnley. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful <laughs> way at all. It just generally was because you know they don't kind of go out and make flashy signings or you know do fascinating things in that way. But they are much older than the average team in the league. So I don't know. I it would be nice to see a couple of young younger types come in and and challenge. But yeah just very little going on here Tark- did Tarky move in the end of it or no 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 there was yeah. talk that Leicester were interested but I, don't, I think the fees that were linked with him were very high so a lot yeah yeah we'll, we'll see where they end up they have no points in the in the first three games and uh, you know often Dice will will drag them up to the middle of the table but you know as you get older that gets harder and harder yeah they, 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 they quietly had a good season last year last year because they didn't finish Sixth, seventh, they finished. I think tenth or something. That you know, that people didn't realize that they were basically as good as they were in seventeen, eighteen. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, the they, they, this re- sorry, you know, this season they they haven't really got going at all yet. And that was the problem when they had that bad season two years ago. They they were in Europe and they had a terrible start. So, Did they get a big fee for the the goalkeeper that uh, Spurs signed from them? No, no. no. And he's he's played matches as well. He's he's been the, the he's coming. <laughs> he's now Tottenham's second goalkeeper. So. Maybe Jose is the Joe Hart whisperer. It could be right. Chelsea. All right, let's go to money. Money, baby. Chelsea. Show me the money. I mean, this, this, this is like good fun. They've bought a keeper who I, I, I don't really know how what to say. I, he's probably fine. They bought him he's off Ren for twenty-two million. Timo Werner, complete no-brainer signing. Really good player. Ziyech, I'm surprised it's taken this long for him to come out of Ajax and you know actually find find his way into a big five league. But it didn't look, it doesn't look like they massively overpaid for him. But he's you know he's 27. Thiago Silva is very old. He's almost as old as me. Ben Chilwell um, has looked good at the weekend. He's a good attacking left back. I don't think he necessarily solves the problem that potentially Chelsea have going the other way. But he's a good attacking left back. Homegrown too, right? Yeah, sure, sure. That's, that's, Chelsea, that's Chelsea always worry about homegrown, although they shouldn't because they have so many players that came through their academy that... Never mind. All right. Uh, and then <laughs> we got Malang Saar on a free, which felt opportune. And then Kai Havertz, who's, you know, another very talented kind of young attacking player who you, you, you can't really... Most of these signings in and of themselves, you know, they're hard to argue against. Is this the, the full package profile of players that most people would have signed for Chelsea probably not there'd be a little bit more kind of defensive grit in amongst that rather than like exciting attackers but I, in and of themselves each, each, nearly all of these players look like nice signings we would argue that Mendy was the most important of the lot <laughs> yeah very much so I mean by a lot defensive things including goalkeeper uh, where Chelsea have been you know let themselves down in in last season they conceded so many goals you know it, it was a lot of it was Kepa but it wasn't just Kepa I mean you know he wasn't keeping the shots out that were hitting him but at the same time they were giving up those shots and yeah it's difficult credit to Danilo Pantic who I think is like the eternal loony from the Chelsea loan crew for going to a club that I had not heard of before in Kukuriki so so Crystal Palace, uh, another team that is always busy in the transfer market, eternally, you know, buying and selling players, as we know, year after year. Uh, well, they uh, they knew that they had to get younger, and so they bought two younger players. And <laughs> two, yeah. Okay. Everyone likes easy, which so that's okay. I mean, he's. I I, I think it's yeah. He's he's interesting. He's probably not got quite enough kind of attacking chops to, to to justify being super excited about him but I'm, I'm interested how he how he fits in he scores he scores like good looking goals but and I'm not sure he contributes quite enough um, to an attack but he's I think in the last game he played behind Zaha so maybe maybe he's more of a li- kind of link player well that's that's how they envisage him yeah um, I I very much so I watched a lot of championship generally and I wasn't super excited for him for the top half of the table, but I could see like a lower half of the table team, not unlike Palace, using him as a secondary zone mover, and that's exactly what they've got him doing. Uh, you get Zaha there, you get the eternal Andros Townsend, and and you can at least get the ball up the pitch, and then Roy's defense is always going to play, you know, pretty solid D. 
Yeah, and Ferguson, Nathan Ferguson's come from West Brom as a fullback, but I mean that's it's probably not enough, isn't it? It'd be interesting to see if they do make any moves with the you know kind of championship window still open, um, or you know the lower leagues still open. But uh, Everton, right? Yeah, Everton's fun. So let's start with a really important one. Everton have finally lost Umar Niasi, who was a huge contributor to their style of play for a very long time. Wait, no, no, no. I, I meant Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines retired. Sorry, I missed that. There's a, there's a few of them. They've, they've, they've done some, they've sorted some stuff out here, haven't they? Like, um, Would you say that Umar Niasi was a lemon, James? Um, I'm not going to slate Umar Niasi. He might okay. be a nice guy. He might be. It's true. <laughs> U- Umar, Umar's personality could be great. I, I Cuco Martina, I wonder if he's going to rock up at Barcelona. That's it does feel like that is destined. It's on the cards. He's available now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, they've solved a few problems here actually. When you look look at it, you know some of the some of the s- slight missteps that, that they made, probably in the Steve Walsh era. That you know, going back a little bit, feel like they're being solved on the outs and the ins. The ins are, I mean, Ben Godfrey is a centre back uh, coming in from Norwich. Uh, not a, not a huge fee, twenty million. It's probably about right that one. I um, got crazy confused about that one. I I thought in my head he was definitely going to Leicester. And then right. I looked on the list, and he's gone to Everton, and I'm just like, did I mix up a DM somewhere along the way, or what? Probably. I, I feel like we should give credit where credit is due. Okay, Everton have had too big a squad. Like we've talked about that. We've we've gone backwards. Like you have years of Stats Bomb podcast to listen to us talk nonsense about people's transfers. Um, but you know, having an ownership group that is willing to keep spending to dig them out of the hole. And then just completely rebuilding your midfield in in a summer, like that is is laudable in and of itself, especially since it looks like they're quite stable now and actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't love the Decore signing, um, but that, Same. That, that's that's what it is. Um, and Allen and Hammers are too old, really, to be the future. But for the now, you've got for two really now. good players, and Hammers has settled in straight away. Allen looks very good you know when he's when he's played and is very good so you know this is it there's a variety of opinions available here but they've got better players in their team than they had before and i mean i i did the i did the everton preview and it's but if you you know if you're thinking is it hammers or gilfie kind of like pulling the strings and you look at actually what they create uh, you know in, in any given kind of area it's it's like night and day and putting yeah. hammers in there is, is just you've got an elite creator um you know he also like, has the best smile in football he's a very nice looking boy isn't he he's a very nice looking boy is hammers i feel like we should mention alan <laughs> because alan has finally made it to the premier league alan was one of the first dms that i ever flagged up in in like ancient times so like 2013 i was like oh wow this guy seems really interesting and then he goes and is the a rock at napoli and could do everything under under carlo and now he comes and he's at everton and and still doing pretty much everything this he was a bit injury prone last season um he missed he missed quite a lot of time on and off and i think he's already had a knock this season so that would be that would be one of my little queries about you know how how fit can he be how fit is he um, you know his his general fitness levels, but you know if, if he's on the pitch and for sheer quality, then yeah, this is a good player. Theo Walcott on loan to Southampton. So I think Southampton need options, so I, that's probably probably fine. Um, Grew up there. Hmm, makes F- sense. The, the 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 comeback is on. Fulham. Any Fulham. The worst yeah. team in the Premier League. That's not me making any judgment. That's just literally the league table. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? When they came up before and they spent a lot of money and it was just didn't work at all and went horribly wrong. They haven't spent loads of money this time. They've got quite a few loans here and kind of like smaller price deals. Someone like There's Loftus so Cheek, I like. Someone like One, Loftus Cheek, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven inbounds again. Lookman's probably all right as well. I mean, there's there's, I hope there's so. good players on this list. Yeah, I agree. Ola Aina. Ola Aina looked like he was ready to to step into you know a bigger role. So, uh, yeah, Ariola, I don't know. Harrison Reed was probably the most important player in the run-in last season. Lamina, we're we're like not super excited by. Like he's kind of a, a loony now. And if Southampton are loaning you a guy, then I don't know what that says. His, his career's drifted, isn't he? He looked quite good in that 
one season at Southampton then it just hasn't worked for him since meanwhile Alfie Mawson who everybody thought was like the next coming for a long time is now at Bristol City first place Bristol City in the championship but yeah and and you've got um, Khan on social media talking about trying to sign center backs and how they're unhappy I mean, man that's you're too close to the fire buddy like step away like don't you don't need to do that in public. Like, leave it to other people. As it makes 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 Scotty Parker's life tough. I guess. I guess the thing here, here is they haven't spent a fortune um, outright on fees. So, like, you know, maybe maybe they're kind of being relatively pragmatic about this, and especially compared to how how they did last time, right? So, like, there's not a lot yeah. of fees. They probably took on a, a good chunk of of wages, and they were one of the few places that was willing to do so. But yeah, we'll we'll see how they go. I'm. We, to talk a little more about Fulham, since I know there are a lot of Fulham listeners on the pod, um, we were not excited about their metrics when they came up, and they don't sort of exploit a lot of edges. If you watch them play this year, you'll see that they're almost unidirectional in how they attack, and a lot of stuff just goes to Mitrovic. And man, Premier League teams are not going to allow you to score goals like that in the way that Mitro can just overrun Championship players. Um, and so that's a problem, and they were not good at set pieces, despite the fact they made it into the <laughs> into the Premier League off the back of a very nice set piece. Well done to Joe Bryant. So yeah, they've like the stylistic problems were the things that we flagged up. Not even necessarily the talent issues, uh, but you know they brought in a lot of guys. I'm just not sure that they're gonna get the most out of them at the coaching level because they're not exploiting some of the things that we look for. Leeds. Leeds. We can't say anything about Leeds, can we? Um, Leeds no. Leeds great cool moving on Leicester <laughs> can we say, I'll, anything say about I'll say one thing about Leeds I'll say because the one thing I'll say about Leeds I think it'll be interesting moving forward uh, how Bielsa integrates his new signings because mm. I think so far this season he's been, he's been quite keen to, to, to play the same players he had last year so they've gone out and they've spent a reasonable amount of money on a bunch of players um and it'll be interesting to see how they integrate and how, how quickly they get in the team. Rodrigo being a good, good example, like Bamford's come in, started this season and done really well. Does Rodrigo replace Bamford? Potentially not. So it is a very congested schedule, though, so you know, it feels like there's going to be playing time and, and rest time necessary for just about everybody. And if injuries happen, like those stack up. But I, you know, I'm intrigued to see what they do. I, I believe Bielsa is, is pretty special, and you know he's... He's done a good job so far, so we'll, we'll see how that yeah, goes. Yeah, sure. Leicester. Castagne was on a list of players that I sent to a a friend high up at Roma in, I think, 2015 as a, as a fullback that they should really look into. That never happened, but now he's at Leicester, and I'm I'm quite intrigued to see <laughs> to see he's, what happens. Yeah, he he started well. I mean, just looking at the sheer maths here, like it looks it looks. I think it's easy to say, like this old Chilwell. Uh, for X money, which is probably what they bought Castagna and Fofana for. So you've got you've replaced Chilwell with Castagna. This is this 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 is your bottom line trading here. So you sell your one player that you think you can buy a similar or equally good player for half the price or lower, and then you do that. <laughs> yeah, this is clever. This is what you do. And then they, then then you've got a like chunk of change in your pocket. And it's like what should we go and do now? Tell you what, let's go and find let's go and buy a promising centre back for big money. And then you've got two players for the price of one. And your yeah. team's just as good. This is great. I love it. Gazal didn't work <laughs> out for them. Like no. We were kind of on the fence about him, given his, his past history. And now he's you know part of the lone crew where you hope that you don't lose too much value along the way. But you know sometimes you, you take a gamble hoping that, that things work well. And they don't always work out because players are complicated. And there you go. Liverpool deserves note for a couple of reasons. One, because Costas Simicus was part of our pro scouting group. We flagged him up uh, ages and ages ago. And then I had heard no rumors whatsoever about this guy. And then poof, there he is at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we liked, we liked him quite a lot. I don't think we pegged him as, as quite as high as like, you know, Liverpool start. Well, not certainly not like starter for Liverpool, but I think there's a road, you know, a backup fullback um, at Liverpool. This is entirely fine. You know, mm-hmm. we, we probably pegged him in, in that, that kind of level. Um, so yeah, good to see, good to see him rocking up at Liverpool of all places. Uh, but and good d- for the pro scouting group to like flag <laughs> that as an interesting player. Yeah, exactly. And then Thiago, got, we talked about. We don't Thiago, have Thiago. Who, who doesn't like Thiago? I mean, that's just he's just a great player. And again, wrong age, but you're allowed one of these signings. Don't worry about. Yeah, that. and and also he gives them some resilience and and their ability to generate attack with you know passing. Yeah. 
and yeah, change of you know just a different dynamic in that midfield. They haven't got a player who does what he what he does or didn't have one, and now they have. And then Diogo Jota, who I, I think I said this last week. I feel like you know, kind of I blanked on him as a thinking that nobody would come out of Wolves, but he, he is a, a very good player and pretty much a you know ideal kind of like fourth man. Once Werner had gone and that wasn't on the table, someone like Jota is is the ideal kind of like fourth man behind their front three. Um, Still young enough, contributes yeah. already, has done well in the league. Like I, I think that is a, a fantastic transfer that I completely did not expect, and somehow they pulled it off. Speaking of which, though, I have to talk about this Ryan Brewster deal because if the details that that were leaked to the media are right, this is the most ridiculous deal that I can remember in terms of upside for the selling club. Like Brewster is has been sold to to Sheffield United, but allegedly. Liverpool have a buyback that lasts like for a three-year window, and they've got a sell-on of something like 15%, and they got 23.5 million out of it. I'm like, good lord, this is this is incredible. Like, this is an amazing deal. Well done. He's an, he's an interesting player, isn't he? Because like, I think he's he's quite good for his age. He's, mm-hmm. he's not. He's he's promising, and he could well develop into being a, a pretty good player. But I don't think that's I don't think that's certain. And you know, th- th- there's got to be a question mark here about like, right, okay, Liverpool were happy to sell him with a, you know, with a potential uh, buyback and such. They they didn't look at him and say like, right, this is our fourth choice forward, or you know, this, this we'll ship Origi and we'll keep Brewster. So there's yeah, you know, there's an interesting kind of like, you know, when Liverpool so, well, Liverpool have sold really well over the years, but they haven't uh, you know for good money, but they haven't necessarily sold and you know, you know infrequently they've sold and you thought like ah. Oh, yeah, they've made a mistake there. They, you know, probably Eggs is the one guy, and he'd had loads of injuries. That's mm-hmm. come out of Liverpool and absolutely, you know, kind of nailed it. So, yeah, I mean, I like Ryan Brewster a lot. I think he might yeah. be the future there. You know, two three years from now. But I love this deal more, and especially if this deal allowed them to get Diogo and and uh, Thiago. Yeah, yeah, well po- done. Bottom line is they haven't spent a lot of money, and like yeah, all the, all the talk was a lot of these. De- some of these deals were kind of like, you know, pay down the line and such. So you know, Liverpool have actually, you know, they they needed a backup left back all of last year, and they didn't have one. Um, you know, Thiago brings a completely new dynamic to their midfield, and Diogo Jota gives gives them that that fourth guy in their attack. So there you go. Let's solve these little problems. They didn't have any big problems. They're they were excellent last year, but they solved little problems. They did sell Lovren, which meant that they lose a centre-back. It seems Fabinho's filling in there at times. Mm. And there is obviously now the question about like how Liverpool um, have vulnerabilities in defence. But, you know, fundamentally the squad looks fairly kind of like similar to last season with, with improvements in key places. So it's hard to be hypercritical about this, really. Uh, we're in the M's. Manchester City. Ferran Torres for 21 million, Nathan Ake for 41, and Ruben Diaz for somewhere north of 60. Outgoing Leroy Sané, which we knew about. Otamendi's gone somewhere. Um, the loss of David Silva, I know you have a comment on, uh, and various and yeah. some other low knees. And... I mean, you can't replace David Silva. He's, he was one of the best players in the Premier League for many years. He was 34. You can understand what's going on here. But uh, you know, I was quite recently. I was poking around at some numbers of various kind of like Premier League contributors, and time and again, Leroy Sane and David Silva came up like ranking highly amongst um, you know attackers, you know, passing high up the pitch, passing into the box, general creativity, expected assists, key passes, all these things. And you think they've both, you know, obviously Sane was out last season with injury, but they've both left the club, and. I don't know. That they they're they're big shoes to fill. Both 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 of those players, uh, you know, whomever whomever is ends up kind of playing with them. You know, we've got players like Foden who looks excellent and is coming through, but he's still very young. You know, you can can you expect to see the best of Phil Foden week in, week out for a whole season? I mean that that remains to be seen. He's he's very young. And Torres is also super young. Yeah. The center backs I feel like we should be a little careful because it is so hard to tell how guys are gonna do in Pep system. And even early on, you know, it feels very rare that players, you know, are under Pep for less than six months, uh, having not played from before, and just get it. So I, I want to be sensitive to, to just saying we don't have a great clue on that, especially having not scouted those guys a ton. Let's move across to the red side because I know that there's been a lot of fan unrest, and I feel that one's pretty important to talk about. Manchester United. What do you want to say, Ted? I 
Vanderbeek's fine. It's it's okay. Tellez is probably fine. They probably need a bit more a bit more at left back. Um, I don't know anything about this very young child that has arrived from Atalanta. Well, t- tell them how how much he's played because I find that real intriguing. Like three games or something. It's like barely anything at all. I mean, I, I, I like yeah. I'm coming. I'm coming in blind here. I've got nothing to say about Ahmad Diallo. But we, we, we want to things, But he's like not in the data set. Like there, there are players. We'll get to the Newcastle one in a second. We're like, wow, we actually have data on some of these guys. Like we have yeah. Drew data, well, we've we had, have Uruguayan we've, data. <laughs> yeah, we've got Uruguayan data. So we, so we were able to have a look at uh, Facundo Palestri, who's um, I don't know if he's actually arrived at the club or he's back on loan. You're one for the future. He is one for the future generally. He looks fairly good for Uruguay standards and then Cavani who I, I just don't really understand it my my whole thing about Manchester United a lot of people said they need DMs they need centre-backs my whole thing about Manchester United is they need creativity and attack I think they lack that they need lot. Juan Mata five years ago yeah uh, Alexis Sanchez was my example like you know mm. him him at his, his, his best just you know that, that guy that can fit into the forward line that does so it means that Pogba and Bruno aren't relied upon entirely and I personally don't think that they've actually addressed that um, Sancho obviously was an obvious picket over on to fit into that role over on the right side so it's I you know I can see why Man United fans are a little bit disappointed a lot of those deals came through on the last day Um you know, it doesn't feel like they've addressed problems. I think, I think we'll get to Tottenham in a bit. But if you go man for man through Tottenham squad and Man United squad, like you can get to like twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two before you're a bit iffy about Tottenham players. And I think that I think you get you're a lot higher up that list when you're when you're a bit like you know when you find players in your squad, and it's like I don't hope we don't have to rely on that player every week. You know, I think that that list is a. You know, you get to those players a lot sooner when it comes to Man United than you do. Yeah, I, I've watched Arsenal so many for a while, so I'm pretty familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that player, but he I don't want him to play every week. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Kolasinic, uh, uh, Mustafi, uh, actually any any centre-back for the most part that's not Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. All right, Newcastle. So this is a, a very Anglic set of hiring, except for the, the, the funny name at the bottom, that you had a very interesting pointer on. So Jeff Hendrick on a free, I think Jeff Hendrick has been a historic do-nothing. We'll see if he'll be a do-more at Newcastle, but not excited about that one. Callum Wilson, this deal is really interesting. It very well praised in the media. Uh, 20 million pounds out of Bournemouth. He's scoring I, goals, Ted. He's scoring goals. That's true. <laughs> The problem for Callum Wilson has not been scoring goals. The problem has been hanging on the knee ligaments. And there's a good chance. I don't. I don't want to. I'm not a doctor, but I feel like there's a high risk that you end up holding an awful lot of whatever this transfer fee and contract is in the insurance category if you were able to get insurance on him. Because like, well, I like Callum Wilson. I have for a very long time. I'm not sure how much more he's going to be able to to have in the tank. His body just has not cooperated at that level. Uh, Ryan Fraser on a free. He had one outlier season and has not been exciting since then. Yeah, in in, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with Ryan Fraser on a free at all. He's, he's per- perfectly perfectly solid kind of like signing. I mean, yeah, I I've got no I've got no qualms with it. But like, I don't think you know if you it, everyone looks his 18 19 season, it's like wow, that was amazing. He looked like prime Urzil for kind of contribution. <laughs> it's like that. Everything else is like, no, you don't look like that. So, yeah, really curious case of of one guy having this amazing season, but uh, you know, for a free transfer. Just, yeah, exactly. Just, you're you're rolling what, some dice. What are you saying here? Yeah, you might pay a bit more in wages, but you know, you can't imagine it's it's going to break the bank there. Jamal Lewis out of Norwich, like that one, kind of makes sense, and I don't think the fee was uncomfortable. And then this one that that you flagged up there. Yeah, have... yeah, just Rodrigo Vilca. I don't know who Rodrigo Vilca is. Who is Rodrigo Vilca? He's Peruvian, and of course, there's a fine heritage of Peruvians at um, Newcastle because Norberto Solano was there for so long. So what what is the deal here? I don't know. Maybe maybe but, Solano does a bit of quiet consultancy for. Newcastle. If you wanted to give people just a little bit of insight. He looks like a, a pretty good player, right? Yeah, no, we've got data um, for the Peruvian league, so it's quite interesting. Just to have a quick glance at him, and he, was, he looked quite, quite kind of creative type. He's, uh, you know, a promising sort. I think. I, go on. I was going to say, I will say, you know, we should be slightly careful in that um, 
you know, there is not a pipeline of regular Peruvians into the Premier League. So I'm going to be yeah. a little sensitive of talking about how he's going to adjust to this league because I, I don't have any idea. Exactly how good <laughs> Peruvian football is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, at, at least at some level, you know, I'm not sat here looking at his, his stats thinking, what the hell has happened here? So that's good. Um, but an elite dribbler wins a lot of fouls. Yeah, I'm dribbly, creative, shoots a bit. You know, he's, he's a bit of an all-rounder. So, you know, maybe, maybe he's maybe he's a good one for the future, and maybe, you know, maybe he's not. We'll see. We'll see. Exactly. Uh, right, Sheffield United. So they got the Ryan Brewster transfer, aforementioned Ramsdale from Bournemouth, which you know they didn't have. That's fine. They, they need they needed a keeper, and that's fine. Yeah. Well, they doubled down, right? So Fotheringham out of out of Rangers, we liked Fotheringham a lot just before he went to Rangers, and we tried to sign him. Uh, I think our goalkeeper coach was unhappy that. Fotheringham was not like super tall but you know have, having him as a backup in Ramsdale as a first seemed like pretty good Ampadu on loan like this seems like a fine window for Sheffield United in in ways the question is like can they get enough out of them to stay up another year because they're definitely retooling this squad they came up pretty old you could see them getting younger in some cases getting better mostly pretty good gambles on on players from the British Isles I would say sometimes you know they they're not that cheap because of that reason but yeah, I thought Bogle and Lowe from Derby were okay. I, I think I'd probably at one point thought Bogle would might aim a little higher. But yeah, it's, it's it's interesting how they get how they get players into their team because they have been very very kind of like strict with the the, the you know the players that they've uh, bought and how they've actually integrated them. I think more so over time they've 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 done better at integrating um, integrating their signings. But yeah, they're in a difficult spot because they've had a slow start, slow end to the season, and you know. It's. I don't want to talk about the start kind of soft skills around it, but you know, you, you they they could really do with their performances actually turning into points and just boosting them up a little bit. But their tra- their transfer window is okay, I think. I, again, the Bruce the Brewster one's a, a curious one because it feels like they haven't got the best end of that. But well, that's Liverpool. So <laughs> Southampton, Mohamed Salisu, uh, Kyle Walker, Peters, Ibrahima Diallo, uh, Theo Walcott on loan. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, Diallo's a, they needed some mid midfield, so that's that's Diallo. He's quite young though, um, so that's it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, wh- whether he can come straight in and contribute. Walker Peters is fine. Saliso's an intriguing one. He's left footed centre back, so they're they're not too they don't grow on trees. Um, be interesting to see how how he can settle in. And Walker, I think, as an option, just as just as a kind of a speed a speed man. Uh, that you know they 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 press this team presses like having a having a relatively quick guy even at 31 he's still pretty quick I think you know who can kind of like spring off a press and maybe uh, finish chances is I've, I've no qualms about that I I don't know I think maybe a little bit more I'd want and maybe another midfielder in amongst this lot um, I think that's fair like you know Lamina went out on loan but he was out on loan before um, they. Southampton have rolled the dice a few times uh, in the previous years. Like these, I'm not sure if they're safer or not, but they, you know, they continue to be in in the top league, and that that's for the most part good enough. You know, they, I think they're in the process of of being sold uh, or looking for a buyer, so that also makes some sense. Um, Elianusi, we actually think is was pretty great at Celtic last year. Uh, Guido Carrillo was a, a total bust. Wesley Holtz. It was quite an interesting and, and pretty good transfer that now is out on loan to Lazio because I think the style like doesn't fit at all. He's just not uh, fast enough to play that that particular style. And speaking of fast enough, like Sofiane Buffal, uh, contract finally ran out, uh, went to Angers on a free. All right, you got exactly three minutes to talk about Spurs. Carlos Vinicius, Gareth Bale, the return of the prodigal son, uh, Sergio Reguilon, Matt Doherty, Joe Hart, and then Mr. Do-Everything-Okay, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg in midfield. I didn't love the Hoiberg and Doxy signings, but they, they do do two things, and that's create, you know, first-teamers. Hoiberg's actually been pretty good from what I've seen so far. Reguilon is great because it's basically Danny Rose is he's still in, the, in around the place, but he's going, so you've got a left-back for the future. Uh, Vinicius gives, gives you a backup to... Um, Kane, which is much needed. Gareth Bale is just you know the prodigal son come home and a kind of bit of icing on the cake. To be honest, when you actually put it all together, I love Tottenham's window and I love Tottenham's squad right now. It's so deep. They are they've got so many players right now. Yeah, that have the time, deep. 
half the time they're not and then and this is unusual because normally they're really one in one out when it comes to transfers but it feels like the gossip i'm hearing is is you know Mourinho basically said, "Look, we had a horrible injury crisis last last winter. We didn't have enough players. We didn't have the depth that we needed if we want to compete as you know a top team in this league." He and never says things like that. He only they, wants like twenty-two players. But they've <laughs> gone out and they've actually just you know acquired, and again not for loads of money because there's loans and there's you know kind of Walker Peters went the other way. Essentially, that was a swap for Hoiberg, you know, and they've really added depth to the squad. There's a lot of talent in Tottenham squad right now and I was high on them last year and it didn't work out at all but th- this time round it just feels like every position you look at and it's like are there players that can replace these he's got obviously you know Kane and Sonner you know a step above everyone else but you know you look around the, the team and you say are there players that can step in and it's like the answer is yes so, I still love their midfield I, I I feel like they they did an amazing job in recruiting last window and you know, if you were to give me Los Celso, Hoiberg, and, and Dombele, I'd be pretty damn excited about that with midfield. Like, I'm not excited by Hoiberg, but the other two, I'm so excited by that. Like, it kind of powers you through. Mm-hmm. If Vinicius has good numbers at Benfica, we'll see if that translates to the Premier League. Because it does feel like it's a, a 50-50 proposition if you bring a guy in from Portugal, whether that's going to work out. And and Gail, Gareth Bale is like such a good upside and and a feel good PR story and whatever that you know hopefully he gets you know 20 games in the league and is amazing and everybody's super happy Tom going to win the league anyway um ooh <laughs> going to definitely win the league there you go ooh they're not obviously but i i feel like saying that cuz it's funny but anyway my god <laughs> that, that, that's that's your lead. I'm so uh, hyped right now, Ted. Tottenham are amazing. We scored damn. 13 goals in two games. When's that ever happen? I'm going to skip West Brom because the first name on the list is Branislav Ivanovic, and it's just too confusing to talk about, and I don't have any time. Um, West Ham. So Tom Suchek and Vladimir Kufal in, both from Slavia, Prague. Uh, Suchek seems to be an ever-ready both yeah, these teams, both West Brom and and West Ham, essentially are going again with the same squads they had last season, and with obviously slightly different circumstances. You know, West Ham still in the Premier League, West Brom come up. There, there isn't a huge kind of shift of, of we need loads of new players, and then we're on to Wolves. I'm sorry, Wolves fans, I have to wrap up. I've got lots of stuff I got to do. But uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, I don't think we'll catch you next week. We might catch you next month. But in the meantime, enjoy the football uh, in the international side and enjoy the next month of league. And I believe we start in Europe, which is going to get really busy. All right. Take it easy. Bye.